Macworld Podcast number 136 for November 19th, 2008. Sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Macworld Podcast listeners can get a free audiobook now at www.audiblepodcast.com slash Macworld. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. A couple of holidays are on the way, Thanksgiving in the U.S. next week, and a host of holidays following in December. And we commemorate them in ways sometimes roundabout in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Our first segment brings together Macworld.com Executive Editor Philip Michaels, Editorial Director Jason Snell, Senior News Editor John Seff, and Senior Reviews Editor Roman Loyola, who talk about all that isn't happening during the December holidays. Specifically, that Apple isn't planning to release new products between now and the beginning of the new year. And there's a Thanksgiving tie-in as well. As you're undoubtedly aware, Thanksgiving falls on November 27th this year. And as you're also assuredly aware, November 27th marks the birth of Jimi Hendrix, who would have turned 66 this year. And of course, 1966 was the year that the Jimi Hendrix experience was formed, which was 42 years ago, and Hendrix was born in 1942. So how could one let such a momentous and slightly spooky anniversary pass without some kind of tribute? And tribute we provide in the form of a podcast segment that sounds like it was recorded through a Marshall stack and vintage distortion effects from the late 1960s. Truly, you will never hear surf music again. And after that bit of nostalgic audio wizardry, Philip Michaels returns to talk gaming, always a popular subject around the holidays, with Macworld's senior editor Peter Cohen. But before we get to those interviews, a little news and commentary. I've been spending a lot of time lately handling itty-bitty pocket camcorders. First the Flip Ultra, then the Flip Minnow... And then a turn toward the traditional with the Kodak ZI6, and very recently back to the flip with a Minnow HD, which I recently reviewed on Macworld.com. I'll regurgitate those reviews to the extent that I believe the Kodak ZI6 is today's leader in pocket camcorders. Its HD video looks, in most cases, better than what comes out of the Minnow HD. Its digital zoom is crisper. I like the fact that it has an SD RAM slot so I can pack it with loads of storage, even though that adds to its cost, and it's nice that it uses rechargeable AA batteries. The flip cameras are more limited because they have an internal lithium-ion battery. Once the camera runs out of power, you have to plug it into a powered USB port, which takes your camera out of commission for the duration of the charge. Some might suggest that the ZI6 is cheaper at $180 than the $229 Minnow HD, but then you also have to figure in the cost of that SD RAM card. The ZI6's internal memory is pitiful at 128 megabytes, so you don't really have an option to skip the optional memory card. So, okay, I prefer the ZI6, but does that mean it's the perfect pocket camcorder for everyone? No. And to explain that, let me hearken back to one of my most well-known blunders. When the iPod Mini was announced, it took me mere minutes to suggest that it was overpriced given its capacity, and only a chump would prefer it to the full-size iPod of the time, which offered nearly four times the storage for just $50 more. And, of course, that iPod Mini went on to be one of Apple's most popular iPods. So, silly me for thinking that practical people would judge these iPods simply by their features and capacity. I get it now. Fashion and design matter. And when you compare the ZI6 to any flip camcorder, it's clear which is the more fashionable. 
The ZSX appeals to me because of its slightly better results. I mean, we're talking about a pocket camcorder with no image stabilization here, so let's not set our sights too high. And I prefer the flexible hardware design I mentioned before. But in many ways, it's designed to appeal to older gadgeteers like me who tend to judge technology by its specs. It's no great leap to see where the ZI6 fits with traditional camcorders. The flip camcorders, like the iPod, are as much about design as they are about results. They look great, they fit easily into a pocket or purse, a marmoset could operate one. You can customize the Minnow's case for free when you order one from Pure Digital's website. I've done this and the results are great. And it's a cinch to move movies off the camera and onto your computer. If I'm a kid shooting video at a club, documenting my latest tattoo, or springing out of a dorm room closet to catch my roommate and his girlfriend in the act, do I really care that the resulting video is a little yellow? No. I've got one because my friend has one, and he has one because they're cool and they get the job done. And that job, for the most part, is shooting quick and dirty video and blasting it out across the internet. And if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, Philip Michaels, Jason Snell, John Seff, and Roman Loyola talk about what won't be happening between now and the new year. In what is a first for the Macworld podcast, the subject of our roundtable discussion today will be the fact that there is no news. And to discuss this alarming lack of news, uh, I have with me editorial director Jason Snell. Hello. I have with me senior news editor Jonathan Seff, who just stares vacantly off into space in, in these days of no news. Ahoy, hi. And I have senior reviews editor Roman Loyola. Howdy. I am, of course, Philip Michaels. And the no news that I'm specifically referring to is Apple doing something a few weeks ago that it normally doesn't do. It commented on rumors. Some rumors were circulating that the company was preparing an a hardware release of some sort that would happen sometime around now. And Apple actually came out and said, no, we're, we're not doing anything. Our, our lineup is set for the entire holiday season. And I wanted to turn our attention to that um, gentleman. What do we make of this rather uh, unusual development from Apple? I don't know if there's anything to take about it other than I think Apple is worried that their sales are maybe going to be harmed if uh, – if people were not buying products because they thought there was a better product coming around the bend? I would say that for the most part, you know, Apple's doing this because they feel they have a pretty strong lineup for the holiday. They've recently refreshed the MacBook, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, um, and the iMac is relatively new. So there's there's not a whole lot that they, they need to do. I mean, I, I would like to see that Mac Mini get a little bit of a boost. The Mac Mini has a few cobwebs growing on it right now. I believe it was last updated in August of 2007. It was, and it was, the ver- it was a very quiet update, if I'm recalling correctly, released about the same time that they, they released an iMac update, which has since been trumped by another update, and the iWork iLife 08 releases was about the same time frame. That was when last Apple updated the Mac Mini. Yes, right? and it's still, you know, it's a Core 2 Duo system, but it's using the older Marum processor, not the Penryn processors that are being used in the other systems. So, you know, it is getting a little long in the tooth. And as someone who uses one as a server, uh, I think it's a great product. And there were also rumors, as you were speaking about rumors, there were also rumors that Apple was going to be killing the Mac Mini and announcing that it was dead and buried, which didn't happen. Boy, those rumors have been out there for a long time, and it still hasn't happened. And I, I just don't – there is a place for a product like that in Apple's product line. Maybe it will be something different than what we know now as the Mac Mini, but I, I have a hard time seeing them just completely 
remove that product category. Yeah, I recently bought a Mac Mini, and I kept waiting and waiting and <laughs> waiting for the new Mac Mini, and then that announcement came out saying that Apple wasn't going to do anything else. That following weekend, I went, finally went and bought my Mac Mini. And I really would like to see that thing updated. I mean, wasn't there, didn't, uh, was it, I forget who came out with the new motherboard that possibly could be the basis of the new Mini? Was it NVIDIA or something? I don't remember who it was, but... Sounds plausible. Yeah, which was based on, like, the 9400 graphics and stuff. So that would be really cool to have the, all that in the Mini. But... You know, I guess maybe we'll wait till Macworld Expo. So, so Apple emerged from its its headquarters and announced we're not updating anything, and you immediately went and bought something. Exactly. So you are living proof of what Jason said that they didn't want to uh, uh, have their holiday sales cut off in this in these tough economic times by someone sitting around waiting waiting on a rumor. You know, Apple likes secrecy, but. Um, the one thing Apple likes more than secrecy is selling products. Mm -hmm. And if they got nothing, if there's nothing coming, they don't have any benefit to some rumor being out there that something new is coming. Rumors of future product releases hurt sales. And during the holidays, uh, when there's a bad economic climate, the last thing you need is anything swirling around there saying, uh, you know, hey, don't buy anything from us this holiday season because Apple would really like your money. Mm. Well, there is one thing coming up that um – Mentioned, which of course is Macworld Expo in January. Yes, and that is always that is actually one of Apple's problems with selling Macs, at least maybe not iPods. They sell lots of iPods, but selling Macs in December and November is um, sometimes hard because there are always new Macs at Expo. Although I think it's a safe bet to say there won't be any new laptops this year um, because they just redid that entire product line. Mm -hmm. Desktop buyers may may want to wait, given that. The, the systems haven't been updated in a while, and yeah. MacWorld Expo is just around the corner. I would probably, I would probably wait. I mean, you could always, you could wait forever. And if the perfect thing for you to do is to to buy an iMac for your family during the holidays, then you should go ahead and do it. But um, yes, I think it's more likely that we'd see changes to the iMac. Um, although, given the changes to the iMac this summer, there probably any changes made in January would be minor, and. Fighting, you know, you don't want to be the last person to buy the old system when it's completely junked and replaced by something new. But there's always going to be another speed bump. There's always going to be something slightly faster. And you can't, you'll never buy anything if you wait because there will always be another thing. At some point, you've got to say, look, now's the time. It's like, a, you know, when you get a new car and drive off the lot and it's going to tell you the value just drops right off. The minute you set up a new computer, it's already out of date. So you just have to accept that. And like you said, if you need a computer now, you get a computer now. And it'll last for whatever, three years or, or however long it lasts. And, that, and it'll, it'll, it'll do that. The existence of a new computer uh, a month or two later isn't going to make your computer stop working. It will or, still, make it, or make it any slower or yes, anything. It's still exactly. the same computer. I hope not. So I, I take it from the, the, the tone that this conversation has taken and also looking at a calendar and seeing that we're a week out from Thanksgiving and, and the, uh, the uh, all-day shopping fest that usually follows the Friday after Thanksgiving in this country. I, I take it that, that all four of us are taking Apple at its word, that, they're, that there's nothing coming between now and Macworld Expo. No new products, right? No new products, I mean, right. th there are rumors out there that I think are perfectly reasonable that Apple may be planning some sort of promotions for the holiday buying season, whether it's iPods or iPhones or Macs or all. And uh, I would not be surprised at all if Apple uh, markets the heck out of uh, 
of the products that it's got and comes up with some deals and you know they've got to manage their inventory and maybe their expectations are a little high given the sudden turn in the economy and who knows um but that's not a new product that's a a, a sale a deal a bundle something like that mm-hmm. let's do a little uh, wish casting then when when apple opens up the spigot and releases whatever new product it's got it's it's planning because you know these 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 products don't take shape within a week there, there's there's months to years of planning that goes into them. What would we like to see uh, announced, whether it's at Macworld Expo or or in the weeks and months beyond that? Well, I think um, Roman and I have both mentioned that we'd like to see a, a new Mac Mini um, because it's uh, it's a strong product and it has a it has a good niche and it could use a little bit of a boost. So I would like to definitely see that. Um. I'm just thinking pie in the sky. How about a 30-inch iMac? Just throwing it out there, just because. If it topples over, it kills Who on earth would use the 30-inch yes, iMac? because, you know, in these economic times, we need to spend on big, glorious objects. Now, like if you there. want a 30-inch screen, why wouldn't you just buy a Mac Pro and a 30-inch cinema display? That's a good point. Yes. Oh, thank you. Or a, or a MacBook, <laughs> actually. You could even drive a 30-inch with a MacBook now. Every Apple laptop will drive that 30-inch display. Sure. And then you can unhook and go uh, and go with the flow. I, you know, there have been lots of lots of people who have joked about the gigantic iMac. Although the 30-inch is almost plausible. I think I've heard people talk about the 60-inch plasma iMac. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Apple took the Apple TV guts and basically licensed it to TV manufacturers. You made and it said, more like an entertainment center. Yeah, kind of, and said, yeah. Sony, you can just embed Apple TV. And, and, and they wouldn't even call it Apple. TV, they'd say it comes with iTunes or something like that, and it would just be in a big screen TV. Even then, I don't think Apple would be the ones who would make the TV. I think they would hand off the technology to to other companies, yeah. and they'd get to put a little Apple or iTunes logo on the box. And this is not unprecedented, as we've seen, you know, Netflix um, uh, built into the Roku box and into uh, TiVo. Box. Right, Netflix is uh, is going to yeah. be on TiVo too, just not Apple TV. Hmm. Now, one one product that hasn't been mentioned um, in any of our discussions so far has been the Mac Pro, which also, it's been a while since since there's been an update. In fact, I believe January will mark the year anniversary. They quietly updated it the week before the 2008 Macworld Expo. Is that something that we, we see on the horizon, or is is Apple kind of looking at the Mac Pro and thinking, well... Maybe once Snow Leopard is is out and about and can take advantage of of more processor intensive stuff, that's when we upgrade the high end Pro machine. Or maybe they wait till people aren't wearing barrels anymore uh, for clothes. <laughs> are are people wearing barrels for clothes? I'm I'm not very into fashion right now. Just so, around the house, oh, the barrel so. scene is big. Mm. I, you know, I don't know if Apple really. I, the way we think about product updates from Apple, we think about these upgrades in terms of the the consumer marketing pitch and is there a consumer marketing pitch for the Mac Pro? I mean it's not a, they've taken it so far out of the realm of the consumer that I mean they could do they need to change the case? Do, I mean I think the Mac Pro story is just an incremental series of updates and they'll add processors and they'll add RAM and every so often they'll update the front side bus and you know they'll do they'll do tech updates to it but it's it's never going to be the the showstopper and it's never going to be the killer product at at Macworld Expo because it's just not a mainstream product. I mean by design Apple has taken it out of the mainstream they don't want you to buy that product if you're a regular consumer. And the interesting thing is that people would actually, many people actually would prefer if Apple did take things away from the Mac Pro and made this, you know, 
mythical mini tower we've talked about many times, but people actually want less from the Mac Pro to be able to have uh, a different kind of computer that offers them some of those features, but not everything that's in it right now. Right, but that wouldn't even—it wouldn't be a Mac Pro. That would be more like a successor to the Mac Mini than it would right. be a Mac Pro, a, a lower-end desktop. Mac Mini Pro, the headless Mac. Uh, yeah, the headless well, iMac. Yeah, exactly. As as told of in legend and song, Ichabod Crane, mm-hmm. the headless iMac. Since uh, since John mentioned the uh, 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 mythical mid-range Mac, uh, the spirit of Dan Frakes has appeared in our podcast room. To, yeah, Rob Griffiths is yes. hearing his ears burning they're, somewhere. They're both still alive, by the way. Mm. But or if, are if, they? Yes. If Dan, <laughs> if Dan Frakes were here, he you'd hear a, a painful croak, though, because he's very under the weather, and we hope that he gets better. Yeah, he wouldn't be good choice for the podcast no. today. No, no. But that does raise the question. We're talking about existing products in Apple's um, Apple's offerings. Is there a is there a hole in what Apple uh, currently has on the market? Is there a noticeable gap that we would like to see filled? And I'll go around the table and put you all on the spot and say, um, uh, take over someone's job at Apple and 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 come up with the next iPhone or the next iPod, uh, a product you wouldn't see easily fitting into Apple's uh, uh, product grid. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I I was actually, I've been reading some stories about these netbooks, the uh, little kind of low-end, lightweight, little screen, cheap laptops that, that are out there now. And the, this craze, and people are saying, well, Apple should make a netbook. And uh, I think that actually a netbook from Apple would be a terrible idea because it would drain sales away from their other laptops and they would not make money and they would be very sad. And also Apple is not a company that likes to make compromised products, and that would be one heck of a compromised product. So what I'm going to say is, what's the, I'm going to ask, what, what is the purpose of a netbook? And the purpose of a netbook is sort of to have this little device that lets you surf the web and maybe do some email. Well, you could argue that the iPhone is a netbook. Um, In fact, Steve Jobs has made that very argument. One one could. It is a little bit small. So if I were going to make a new Apple product, I would suggest something based on the iPhone OS, uh, a third product like the iPhone and the iPod Touch that runs that operating system. It's touch-based. It's a little bit bigger. And you can surf the web and maybe pair a Bluetooth keyboard with it or something like that or just type on the, type on the screen using, using a, a bigger touch screen. But something like that that isn't a Mac, it's something that can still use iPhone apps, but it is not a netbook per se. It is more like a, a big uh, iPhone tablet-y thingy. I'm going to throw this out there since we're all about the, the same age, ch- children of the, the 70s and 80s here. Um, what you're sort of describing to me, the immediate image that leaped into mind was that I think it was a GTE phone from like the early 80s, and it had these giant buttons, these giant fist-sized fist size buttons. Do you, but it, there would be no buttons. Yeah, but I, 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 I just imagine this oversized iPhone is basically what uh, you described to me. I, I see. And, and, I, let, me, let me, okay, child of the 80s, let me put it to you this way then. It, it, it would be like something that you would hand, that Wesley Crusher would hand to Captain Picard. Does that help? It's that kind of thing. It's bigger than an iPhone. Did, did you watch the Star Trek show? I, I don't watch the sci-fi oh, for the kids. God, oh. Well, I, my, I'm sure our readers are familiar with the Star Trek. So imagine a pad like that, a little bit larger than an iPhone, but it's all flat and you touch it. And, and the, the difference would be instead of Starfleet charts, you would pull up IMDb to see who that guy is on your TV. Could, could you put that in the form of a Robert Palmer? song. Uh, I think this product would be simply irresistible. Thank you, and I'll take my question <laughs> off the air. Ah, ah. Roman, what, uh, 
What uh, Apple product would you invent if you were given power over time and space and Cupertino? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I was thinking about the netbook thing this morning, and the one thing I was thinking about the netbook was that people on the PC side, they seem to gravitate towards the netbook for one, one reason other than wanting something small and portable, is that they want Windows XP instead of Vista. And it's cheap, but they also prefer the XP OS. So a netbook, you know, that Jason was talking about, I think would have to be based upon some sort of, you know, the iPhone version of OS ten, not necessarily a full OS ten. I don't think people are that's what people are looking for when they want the notebook. They want they're looking for that limited functionality. Um, they don't you know, they're not gonna use it to Write, write a novel or anything like that. They want to use it for the web and for other access like that. Although my understanding, our, our own Peter Cohen, and I'm sure he will report perhaps even on a podcast about this in the future, uh, actually has a netbook right now that he's trying out because he wants to see sort of what the netbook experience is like. And I believe he actually is trying to write a novel on it for <laughs> National Novel Writing Month, which I wish him I wish him luck. You certainly couldn't do that on, a, on an Apple right. touchscreen. You need a real keyboard for that. But for most people, you know, isn't a netbook for surfing the web and checking your email? I mean, it's yeah. not that far off from what the iPhone is already. Yeah. Yeah. So I think an ideal product would be maybe, I don't know, a netbook or like an iPhone that's twice as big as the current iPhone. You know, it's sort of, it's just a, it's sort of an internet appliance, so to speak, you know, to use a term from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Right. And does Wi-Fi and... Yeah. And it's yeah. a tablet Mac. <laughs> I uh, I will throw it over to John Seth, who I think did you just give us a preview of your answer, John? No, actually, I was just commenting on his. Mine, okay. Mine's something completely different. Not a tablet Mac, okay? The product that I would uh, want to create would be something that Apple would not create, which is a new. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this Go on. strange <laughs> conceit of if I were in charge of Apple and I could do this, well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it because it's against their interests. But and you would be fired. Yes. Okay. Um, Let's, as, let's as, see if we're going to so fire many, you. As so many Apple CEOs before me. Uh, no, what I would want would be an Apple TV Take 3 in which Apple expands the available availability of content to Netflix, to you know Hulu, all these other streaming things, which would go against the whole idea of having um, a iTunes-connected device which you're supposed to use to purchase movies and TV shows from Apple. So I can't see them ever doing it, but what I would like is to have one box connected to my TV, connected to my network, that lets me view the TV shows, the movies, streaming content, things I'm getting from Netflix. I basically want an all-in-one box, and I want it to be made by Apple because it'll work with their stuff, which no, no one else can make it work with iTunes protected content. But I want something that would look nice, work well, and be able to connect to basically all the content that's out there. That's something that that we don't have and they're not going to do. Right, without, without doing what we talked about on the last podcast, which is uh, hacking your Apple TV to run something like Boxy or buying a Mac Mini and hooking it up to your TV and running something like Front Row and Boxy, uh, which, you, which you can do. But wouldn't it be nice if Apple would either build that in, I'll agree with that, or, um, or offer a third-party plug-in, a real third-party plug-in architecture for Apple TV so that, that Boxy can write their own Apple TV plug-in or Hulu can write their own Apple TV plug-in. That would be great. Yeah, and something I would like to see, but I'm not hopeful of it anytime soon. No, they'll never do that. So now that we've um, whetted listeners' appetites with these pie-in-the-sky type products, let's 
let's bring it back down to earth and um, offer some advice for the poor put upon Mac user who has the, the money burning a hole in their pocket this holiday season wants to buy something off the existing uh, uh, Mac product line or in the, the, the expanding universe of Mac compatible products. What is the one piece of buying advice that you would, uh, that you would give them? Uh, I would say buy a MacBook. I think that the new MacBook line is really nice. The high-end features that have been brought all the way down into the low-end MacBooks, they aren't as cheap as the old MacBooks, although there's that 999 MacBook, which is actually pretty good. Um, but those, they're not going to get replaced in January. They're fast. They, uh, they look great. And uh, MacBooks, as we've written about before and will again shortly, MacBooks are very powerful, and they can do almost everything that you think a desktop can do. So unless you have no need to use your laptop on the couch or, you know, you, you, unless you just want to anchor it somewhere and leave it, um, getting you a laptop, giving you, you know, you get a laptop, you get portability plus power, and that's a pretty good uh, combination. So that's what I would recommend. John? Well, I'm uh, partial to the iMac myself because I finally replaced my aging G5 tower with an iMac. And as a desktop system, I think it's great. But I'm going to agree with Jason that having a laptop these days is almost as good because, as he was mentioning before, you can connect any Apple laptop now to a 30-inch display. So you can have your home set up um, with a nice display, a keyboard, a mouse, all that stuff, and then you can uh, take it with you and the portability of it. And especially with the, the new MacBooks, they're half a pound lighter than they were before, but it's thinner, it's more streamlined, it just feels like a more portable product. And I've lugged around the original MacBook, and after a while it gets a little bit heavy, and, and the, the new one kind of takes care of some of that. So uh, even if you have to go up to the MacBook Pro, the 15-inch model, you know, you know, in order to get things like a FireWire port perhaps, uh, you know, you're still dealing with a, a relatively portable system that, that can offer you the best of both worlds. Now, Roman, as the uh, purchaser of a soon-to-be antiquated Mac Mini, uh, what, what advice what advice do you have? Uh, I say buy a ton of iTunes gift cards <laughs> and hand them out by the stacks. You know, oh, some, some gift card manufacturers may not survive the holidays, and Apple has so much money in the bank that they will, which means your gift cards are much sure. more likely to be honored if they're Apple gift cards than if they're, say, oh, Mervyn's or GM or, right. or does AIG have gift cards? Circuit City, yes, exactly. I don't think the AIG gift card would ever be a good gift, no. particularly this holiday season. That would be bad. That was going to be my last question, but now you've raised an interesting thing, because this is a, a debate I have internally each holiday. Season. I'd like to apologize to everybody out there and the listeners for extending, for extending this podcast. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. I didn't know what I was doing. The gift card. Um, the, I, the humble gift card. I like to give the, the, the gift card. I like to hand out iTunes gift cards because uh, it, I don't have to presume anything about someone's musical taste or even if they don't like music at all and would rather just spend it on movies or audiobooks or what have you. That's the positive side. It's like money. It's like money, except, you know, it, giving money kind of sucks. Yeah. And it's money that's already been spent on one particular vendor. Right. But here's, here's, here's the con side. I feel right. like the laziest man in the world 
when I hand someone a lump of plastic and because it's like money because because it's yeah, like, buy it's, it's right. like here, here, here's a nice crisp twenty dollar bill. I feel like my aunt. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my aunt on my birthday. Only it wasn't a twenty dollar bill. It was a it was like a two dollar. Let me let me turn this around. Okay, though, Phil. Um, yes, you feel like your aunt, but. If your aunt tended to buy you, say, ascots every year, <laughs> or or um, argyle socks, or ties, skinny ties in, in pink, something just a terrible present, and and then one year she gave you a twenty dollar bill and said, you know what, I, I've given up. I'm I'm not going to buy you a. Uh, uh, Thompson Twins album on cassette because I think you might like it and it turns out you don't like it I'm just going to give you money, buy what you like wouldn't that be a relief? wouldn't that be a relief? so that's the other way to look at it is better that than some sort of presumption about a a present that ends up saying oh god my uncle got me this stupid thing and I I I suppose it would but now again as earlier I brought up the GTE phone now I'm imagining you wearing an ascot and argyle socks and and listening to the Thompson Twins twins. doctor doctor (laughs) can't you see I'm burning burning does anyone anyone else care to weigh in on the on the gift card um, ascot uh, ascot dilemma you know I like I like money and if anybody wants to give me money for the holidays we'll give you the address at the end of the show and you can just send it in and I'll take any denomination of bills no I've never met I've always heard this myth that giving gift card cards or gift certificates or whatever is tacky, but I have never met one person who does not like receiving them. Well, I know what Roman's going to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I think I've given the editorial staff at Macworld iTunes gift cards the last two or three years. So, all right, Roman, you got a you got a special thing yes. coming in the mail. Watch out for for that. Yeah, I mean, it's people like iTunes. You can buy music. Uh, you can buy videos, like you said, Phil. You can even now, if you buy iTunes Plus stuff, it's not locked into the iPod DRM and, anyway. And you can buy uh, applications for your iPhone or iPod Touch. Absolutely. So, so it's. It's not a bad. It's not a bad gift at all. Or you can go into the Apple Store and buy something with it. There, I buy buy yourself some iPod socks. Well, with with that uh, last piece of advice, iPod that was, socks. That was terrible you, advice. You me. You're gonna. That's what that was, is yeah. what's going to kill the podcast today. Is the iPod socks? Yeah. Uh, I see by the uh, clock on the wall that it's probably time to start defrosting the, the turkey for next week. So, um, <laughs> all right. I thank you all for, for joining us. Those of you who eat turkey, sorry, John. <laughs> it's time to defrost is murder. the tofurkey and the murder is so I, I don't like the tofurkey. <laughs> yeah, all right. My my holiday uh, treat is the vegetarian lasagna, actually. What's Thanksgiving dinner at your house, Roman? I have to eat twice. I go to my family in the South Bay at, and during the midday and then the evening, I have dinner at the in-laws. Are, are, do, they, do, do you hire a driver to cart, cart you from place to place while you sleep? <laughs> yes. Food, yeah, and then I sleep for, with all the tryptophan in my system. I sleep through Black Friday and into Cyber Monday. Or do, do you eat in shifts? Like you eat at one place and your wife eats at the other place? And We should. That's what, Maybe that's the good strategy. Yeah. Instead of eating two meals, maybe we should just eat in shifts. Yeah, that might be a way to right. do it. And Phil, traditional turkey, all the fixings? It's the traditional turkey uh, as um, prepared using the recipe by Alton Brown, Mac user. Oh, excellent. We can put that in the show notes now. The Good Eats turkey, which is uh, the brine turkey, which is also what I make and is, mm. is lovely. So now, see, that this is, this is a cornucopia 
of uh, Thanksgiving treasures, this podcast now. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I was a part of it. Thank you, Phil, for inviting me down into the I'm podcast today. I'm thankful for being part of this podcast. I am thankful for this podcast now. I wasn't before. I really wasn't happy to be here, but now I am thrilled. So thank you. I have turned around. God bless us, everyone. And we hope you, the home listener, is is thankful too. Though I'm, I'm guessing that <laughs> probably not. No, you've probably stopped no. listening by now. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Chris, we hope you're thankful for receiving this. Uh, this is Chris still there? From us? Chris, uh, Chris is probably. <laughs> Chris is Wake gone. Up, Chris. Wake up, Chris. He's gone. He's gone already, chief. <laughs> oh my! It's another uh, fun day here. Happy yes. holidays, everybody. Yes. What? Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, Thanks, Phil. And uh, now, before Phil returns with Peter Cohen, a word from our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of digital spoken word entertainment, offering over 40,000 audiobooks for your iPod. Get a free audiobook download when you try the service at www.audiblepodcast.com slash macworld. Check out great titles like I Was or The Second Coming of Steve Jobs with your free audiobook credit. This is a special offer for Macworld Podcast listeners. So to get your free audiobook, visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash Macworld. And now Philip Michaels and Peter Cohen get their game on. It's been a good long while since we've had Peter Cohen, our games guru, on the Macworld podcast, and there's a lot happening right now in the world of of games in general and Mac games in particular. So, Peter, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I think uh, we'll start off by the uh, by the question that has gripped the nation uh, for the past week: Is it pronounced Lich King or Leich King? Lich King. Lich King. We are uh, speaking, of course, about the new expansion uh, for the insanely popular World of Warcraft massively multiplayer online game. Peter, what's uh, what's new in the world of the Lich King? Oh, does anybody really care, Phil? Uh, only, like, what, uh, the, the entire population of Ohio, did they say a few weeks back? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, um, Wrath of the Lich King is the second official... Um, expansion pack for world of warcraft um the first was the burning crusade and uh this adds on uh new features and functionality to this game which has been enormously popular ever since it was released in 2004 in fact as it stands right now uh world of warcraft is is the most popular uh mmo or massively multiplayer online game ever made um uh it's uh um, it's got, uh, as, as you just pointed out, uh, a, a user base that uh, is now uh, larger than the entire population of the state of Ohio, which is really staggering when you think about it. And it's, it's played around the world. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about World of Warcraft, like all Blizzard games, um, is that the game came out at the same time for the Mac and the PC and has been kept in lockstep ever since then. So the day that uh, Wrath of the Lich King re- was released, it was released on a DVD that worked uh, in your Mac as well as uh, the PC. So what does Wrath of the Lich King actually bring to the table? Well, um, there is a new continent to explore, um, a, a um, frozen wasteland. 
um, where the Lich King resides, um, and it is uh, suitable for higher level players. Um, the player level cap is now um, at 80 instead of 70, um, which means that uh, you can continue to uh, grind upwards uh, with your skills until your, your high level players are at level 80. Um, there's a new um, class, uh, the first hero class uh, in World of Warcraft has been unfa- unveiled called the Death Knight. Um, there are uh, new dungeons to explore, um, new uh, magic items to grab, new monsters to kill, um, new uh, non-player characters or NPCs to interact with. And uh, um, there's also a new profession called Inscription, um, which uh, lets you use um, uh, your skills to imbue um, items with, uh, with magic powers by, by writing upon them. So um, all told, it's uh, definitely a worthy uh, investment for people who are uh, World of Warcraft players. And uh, um, the, uh, the the beauty of it is that you don't actually need Wrath of the Lich King in order to play the game. You can play the game without any expansion pack installed. Um, and it comes in two, two different uh, versions. There is a... Um, um, a basic version for forty dollars, I believe, and a collector's edition that will cost you uh, seventy or eighty dollars. And the collector's edition adds all sorts of beautiful stuff, like a hardcover um, art of uh, the Lich King uh, book that shows you illustrations and uh, uh, design concepts and all this other stuff that Blizzard's enormously talented uh, team of artists came up with. Uh, a soundtrack uh, DVD, so I mean a, a soundtrack CD, so you can listen to uh, the music from Wrath of the Lich King, which has a very cinematic uh, quality to it. Uh, a making of DVD, so you can see sort of a behind-the-scenes video of of these guys. Um, a special uh, in-game pet, a frost worm uh, uh, hatchling um, of of some type um, that you can uh, actually uh, play with in in the world, or at least have it follow you around, and uh, and some other goodies as well. So it's. Uh, a, a lot of stuff for, uh, well, yeah, admittedly, you know, a fair, a fair amount of money. But, uh, you know, for World of Warcraft Complete, it's, it's, it's dropping the bucket, I'm sure. Have you uh, had a chance to play it in the week since it's com- come out? I sure have. I got it on the day of release and uh, have uh, uh, installed it, and it is gorgeous. Uh, the, 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 they've actually uh, upped the graphics a little bit in this. So you'll see that the system requirements have changed a little bit in uh, Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, they're a little bit higher than they used to be. That doesn't mean that if you were on a Mac that could play it before but just barely, you're out of the ballpark altogether. It just means that there are going to be some scenes, um, uh, particularly in uh, you know some of the new areas that you're unlocking, that are going to run quite a bit slower. But if you've got a machine that's reasonably up-to-date and, and meets the system specifications for the game, you're going to have a fabulous time, and it's going to look fantastic, especially for a game that's you know now um, approaching, uh, uh, well, is, is actually more than four years old. What level are you? Uh, I actually play a few different alts. Um, mm-hmm. uh, nothing that's really spectacular. I've got a couple that are that are that are getting up there, but I actually don't have anything that can really exploit uh, the new areas yet. Okay. Um, although you know, I've tried to take a stroll through, and of course, gotten my ass handed to me by big, bad, ugly things that live in the woods. Mm. Um, speaking of uh, massively multiplayer online games, uh, readers of the Game Room column will know that you just got back from Iceland. Another and, northern wasteland. Yes, yes, but not, not one that's in the realm of fiction. 
that that I know of, um, but rather uh, an actual uh, northern wasteland. And it wasn't all just uh, seeing glaciers and eating uh, eating uh, horrible shark meat uh, while you were there. You were also there to attend the uh, Eve Online uh, Fan Fest. Is that correct? That is correct. CCP Games, uh, which is based in in Reykjavik, Iceland, um, has for the past five years had a uh, um, a, a celebration of their massively multiplayer online game, which is very different from uh, World of Warcraft uh, Eve Online. And uh, this was my second time around, so uh, I had an even better time than last year. So, what's uh, new in the world of Eve Online? Well, I think the most uh, important thing that Mac users uh, can take away from this year's FanFest is that um, the premium graphics pack, which we have been promised now for a year, is definitely coming uh, to the Mac. I've seen it with my own eyes. So did two dozen other people who are sitting in the same room that I did. Um, so it is it is still a work in progress. It still needs to be vetted by CCP Games QA department. But uh, CCP Games and Transgaming have gone a long way uh, to make it happen. Uh, but by way of some background explanation here, um, and uh, forgive me if I uh, digress, um, when uh, EVE Online first came to the Macintosh last year, it was right on the cusp of an expansion pack called Trinity that introduced a brand new graphics engine uh, to the game, which really improved um, the, the look of the game. And it's important to understand here that EVE Online has been in development one way or the other since about 1999. It's been publicly available since 2003 or 2004, uh, considerably before uh, World of Warcraft was released. So that game engine was really pushing the limit um, uh, in terms of, of obsolescence and needed to be updated. Trinity introduced this, um, this, this premium graphics pack, and it wasn't available um, uh, on the same day uh, of release for the Macintosh. And CCP Games, which uh, developed uh, EVE Online, and uh, Transgaming, which is their, their Mac development partner, said, we will bring this to you, and it will be done by the end of the first quarter of 2008. Well, you know, March 2008 came and went, and there was still no sign of it. And people have been asking in the in the EVE Online forums ever since then, hey, what the hell happened to the premium graphics pack? I was promised this months ago. It still isn't here. As it turns out, this was a much bigger effort than Transgaming or uh, CCP Games uh, really anticipated. And that's because um, they, they really reworked the entire graphics architecture uh, for EVE Online in order to make the... Um, uh, the uh, the Trinity expansion pack happen, and you know one can argue that uh, you know one can do some armchair quarterbacking and say, well, they should have had a better idea. And, yeah, maybe they should have, but a lot of the circumstances for this were out of their control. There were driver issues uh, involving uh, OpenGL from Apple. There were um, issues involving ATI graphics and Nvidia graphics that they had to contend with. So it really required them to sort of be herders of cats and get um, a lot of different. Um, organizations with a lot of different agendas uh, working in a, in a common direction. The good news from Gabriel State, who is the, um, uh, the CTO of Transgaming, is that apparently a lot of this year has been um, – uh, has seen Transgaming focus on developing those relationships with them, with uh, organizations like the Kronos Group, which actually manages the OpenGL spec, to make sure that Transgaming gets what they need, not only for EVE Online, but for other projects they're working on going forward. So I'm confident now that uh, that they're moving in the right direction. And having seen it with my own eyes, I can tell you that premium graphics on the Mac look beautiful and run great. Um, especially if you've got a Mac with like an X1600 graphics card in it, like the MacBook Pro that they were actually demoing it on. 
Um, Gap State um, also says that it runs beautifully on his new MacBook Pro, even with um, the discrete graphics chip, the 9700 uh, uh, graphics chip from NVIDIA turned off, only using the motherboard graphics. So that should give you an idea that even if you've got a basic MacBook, uh, you'll be able to, to get a very playable experience with the Online out of uh, um, the, the premium graphics pack once it's released. I will never forgive you for digressing there. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, um, I guess I'll, I, I'll just have to go back to Reykjavik and eat more Hukarl. Mm. And if you uh, want to find out what goes into that tasty dish, be sure and uh, read Peter's travel log from Iceland on the Game Room blog. It, it, it if uh, the old saying about famous people dying in threes is uh, is true, then apparently there's also news about uh, massively multiplayer online games in threes. Um, City of Heroes. What can you tell us about that? Well, an interesting segue here because City of Heroes is another project that Transgaming is involved in, and it's another massively multiplayer online game. Uh, this one is um, uh, th- this one also has a long history, um, and it's just now coming to the Macintosh. City of Heroes um, is a game that is published by NCSoft. Um, they uh, mainly a Korean publisher. Um, they're, they're also based out of Austin, Texas, um, and it is really cool, uh, especially if you like uh, comic books. Or if you just like dressing up and putting your underpants on the outside of your trousers instead. Oh of man, that I'm right in that demographic. <laughs> Indeed, um, City of Heroes is a superhero MMO um, where uh, you have a lot of customization uh, capabilities. You can create sort of a superhero or supervillain uh, alter ego and uh, do all sorts of great things in this uh, this this online world. That's you know a fictional city. Um, that has been uh, at one point overrun by aliens. Um, I won't get into a lot of the setup uh, as to as to why um, uh, or or the the backstory, if you will, for uh, City Heroes. But suffice to say that there's a lot there for people who uh, who enjoy a good comic uh, comic book yarn and and enjoy superhero fantasy. This game should be open beta uh, for the Macintosh uh, sometime this month. Um, this month is quickly drawing to a close, so I would expect it to happen any time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll see it uh, released uh, in a final form uh, for the Mac um, sometime around the end of the year. Um, so uh, by Macworld Expo, everybody should have uh, their uh, their superhero al- uh, alter egos up and running in City of Heroes for the Mac. I can, I can certainly uh, imagine what my wife will be doing once that uh, – once that uh, – uh, program becomes available because oh. big comic book fan really oh lisa's a uh a uh a big comic book fan oh yes oh, ah, excellent excellent yeah. so um uh one thing worth noting is that uh similar to eve online uh and unlike world of warcraft uh you can only get city of heroes for the mac online for the moment um, when the game comes out, obviously for the open beta especially, you're going to have to download it. But when the game is released in commercial form, um, you will need to go to either GameTree Online, which is Transgaming's um, uh, online distribution service, or um, the City of Heroes website to uh, purchase and download the game. Um, uh, one flat rate will get you the game download plus, I think, 30 days, uh, your first 30 days of, of gameplay. And then, uh, as is customary with online uh games uh with massively multiplayer online games you need to pay a subscription fee uh a monthly subscription fee a fee to continue to play it after that okay well i'll set aside that money in the budget because <laughs> i i have a feeling that that's going to be a popular game around the uh the schmeiser michaels household um 
we're we're reaching the end of the year as you as you mentioned um which usually with a month left people start to think about the the year in review how would you characterize 2008 from a mac gaming standpoint it seems like the the biggest developments in gaming this year were actually uh related to apple we're we're on an entirely different platform and that being the iPhone. And I, I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that uh, as we wrap things up here. Boy, Phil, you know, the first six months of, um, of 2008 were really a walk through the desert. Um, there really wasn't a lot that uh, was even worth um, considering available for the Mac. There were a few releases here and there, but, um, you know, for example, we saw half a dozen releases out of EA this year. We only saw one out of them this year, uh, last year. Uh, we only saw one out of them this year, and that was Spore. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it, it, in some ways it was kind of tough, but uh, companies like Aspire Media certainly persevered. You know, they released, um, uh, enemy territory quake wars. They released uh, Neverwinter nights Two. Uh, they had some great titles. Maxsoft has really been MIA. Um, they had promised us, uh, unreal three and, um, uh, I mean, unreal tournament and, and, uh, um, and Gears of War, and those two titles are still um, missing in action. Um, Feral Interactive and uh, Virtual Programming really kind of um, uh, came out of nowhere uh, to offer some really great games for the Macintosh. Um, you know, Feral is a company that we've seen kind of fits and starts of in the past, um, but they really had a strong year um, uh, all the way through uh, with some great titles. In fact, uh, I am still playing Sid Meier's Pirates, which they finally brought to the Mac after uh, um, uh, seeing it sort of jealously uh, coveting it on my friend's PCs for a very long time. I finally get to play it on the Mac, and it's, it's a good port. Um, so, you know, it's, it, there, there were some standout titles uh, for 2008 for sure, but boy, you know, up until about uh, about June or July, I was really wondering about uh, the state of the market and whether or not there was going to be a future for Mac gaming. However, I think uh, with the year starting to close out, we've turned the corner and, uh, you know, with more Macs than ever that, that are capable of playing games, I have a feeling that it's going to be a very robust 2009 um, and, uh, and forward uh, for Mac game publishers. Well, here's hoping that that comes to pass, and, and when those titles do start rolling out in 2009, we'll be sure and have you back on the uh, podcast to tell us all about them. Sounds great, Phil. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. You're welcome. Thanks, Phil. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Macworld Podcast listeners can get a free audiobook now at www.audiblepodcast.com slash Macworld. I'd like to thank Philip Michaels, Jason Snell, John Seff, Roman Loyola, Peter Cohen, and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at Macworld.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Apple TV, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. Have a happy Thanksgiving if you go in for that kind of thing. Happy birthday, Jimmy.